Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Strength in the Numbers. Now, in this digital age, you could say that there are two types of finance professional. There are those who take themselves very seriously, and then there are those who are becoming not only finance and organisational linchpins, but they're doing so in fun and playful ways that are accelerating their career successes. And these are just some of the topics our guest mentor, Glyn Bailey, and I covered on today's episode. And we also break some of these things down to discover a practical way on how to be a linchpin in finance on a daily basis, uh, how to deconstruct what really matters when it comes to our next career move. And also, Glyn shares a personal story from when she was a younger finance professional and how she incorrectly thought she had to do things in a particular way to be taken seriously. And then later in her career, how she turned that around and actually found a lot more success came from being fun and, fun and playful. And this is a really fun and playful podcast. So Glyn was an excellent guest mentor. And I'm really delighted to share her story and also a lot of her great advice with you today. And if you did want to follow up on some of the resources and items mentioned on today's episode, you can check out our timestamp show notes at sitnshow.com slash podcast slash 076. So without further ado, over to Glyn and the show. Sure. Actually, my career started in the UK. I'm currently based in Sydney and have been here for three years. Uh, but my career started, I guess, by chance, really. Maths was the subject at school I seem to be pretty good at. And at university, I found myself doing accounting and business services. Um, and it was one of those things I never really had any clarity around where I was really headed in life. And as you do when you're unclear is go, oh, I'm kind of good at that. Why didn't I choose that and work with that? So I felt accounting was something I just fell into, but then developed a real passion for when I got into the business world. I think it changed for me the most when I left my first graduate job, which was with a company called EDS, which is now owned by HP, and then moved to Coca-Cola. That was super exciting. I think working for a major brand that was well recognizable and then being in the finance space learning from sales and marketing folk about how to promote coca-cola the challenges that you face when you're um, a big brand but still leveraging your um, your brand to get into retailers and what that means when there's challenges from how that brand is perceived in terms of health and wellness was a really interesting journey to start with my uh, finance career. But moving on from Coca-Cola, I ended up staying in the fast-moving uh, consumer goods business with one blip where I went to General Electric to work in their mortgage uh, money services part of the business. Soon realized that whilst I had an interest in finance, I really didn't have an interest in mortgages. 
Um, and after 11 months of uh, General Electric, I found myself deciding, yeah, fast moving consumer goods was definitely where my heart space was and what I enjoyed the most. I think having a product that was tangible, that you could see, you could talk about with your friends, that you could test and try as a consumer, as well as being uh, part of the business for me was really fascinating. Um, so I ended up then joining Associated British Foods. They are huge. They own yeah. Primark. They own a number of different businesses. Yeah, and I, I started yeah working there with uh, Allied Bakeries, and they owned the Kingsmill uh, bread band brand. And then uh, after years working for Kingsmill, moved to work for Silver Spoon, the sugar company. Then went on to work for Twinings, the tea company. So I'm doing a whole sort of breakfast range of products. Yeah, <laughs> you said the words out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, and then ended up moving uh, three years ago to Australia with Associated British Foods to work for the Patax brand um, of foods, the Indian curry sauces. And then latterly, George Western Foods, which uh, owns a number of businesses here in Australia, same same group, uh, but they do meats and bread uh, and randomly uh, cleaning products, which was probably the only odd <laughs> oddity in, in that portfolio. But a, a real mixture of uh, products over the years. So I, I kind of feel like I've been blessed joining a company such as Associated British Foods, which has had phenomenal growth, um, is is working for a big conglomerate, but it wouldn't call itself that because it's made up of so many different businesses. You feel like you're working for a more family-orientated company. You've got more influence because you're part of a big machine, but actually the businesses within it are a much smaller scale. So you've got much more breadth of um, touch points in your role, whether it be commercial or planning or um, financial control. There, there's so many areas that I found if I'd worked for Coca-Cola for my career, that I probably would have limited my own growth because it was too big a, an engine and you're much more narrow in your focus in a large organization than, than you are when you're with a smaller one. Um, and that's what I've liked about ABF is you've got the benefit of both. You've had a huge conglomerate with lots of opportunities to work for different businesses, internal moves, promotions, etc but you've got the benefit of having the bandwidth to, to pretty much touch every area of the business within finance so yeah that's kind of a, a whistle-stop tour of my sort of portfolio of products and just recently probably only three months ago I've left the corporate world to set up my own performance coaching practice so a pivot out of finance into performance and that was mainly again because I'd realized my passion through my finance career was people and getting results. And I thought, well, how can I do this in a way that fulfills me and allows me to reach more people in more organizations where I think there's a real opportunity to drive for performance and, and connect with the human aspect? Yeah, so like there's there's a lot in there I want to follow up with you on. I mean, when, when you're describing those brands there, Glenn, I was sort of thinking, okay, so that's breakfast ticked off. And then we're moving towards lunch, dinner with the, the curries and the meats. And then <laughs> I was thinking, then, then cleaning products and you get to clean up afterwards. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, then, you know, going into sort of the, the performance and the people area, you know, and talking about results, there's a lot there. So I suppose in terms of breaking it down, then you've worked with a number of different brands. And a lot of people would say that's yeah. that's a lot of moving around. Now, 
I know my own career, I jumped around a little bit. Part of it was an accident to begin with, and then it got a bit more deliberate. Was that similar for you, or sort of maybe what was your approach to getting all those various different experiences? It's a com- combination of both. One thing I probably haven't done as successfully as I've seen other people do is be really planful about where they're heading mm. in the future. Um, for me, I guess when I joined Coca-Cola in my early 20s, I was just super, super excited about the yeah. brand. And that kept me there for nearly four years. I'm like, yeah. So I've had two, I had two roles within there, got my first promotion into middle management and felt like I was on top of the world. Um, and then when I moved to ABF, it was a very different model. So you're starting in a, a middle management level, but recognizing that for me, my, my journey was around, does this role give me something new to learn? Did it excite me and did I get some enjoyment out of being in that environment? And did I feel um, that I could make a difference and was I being rewarded uh, in that role as well as I would want to? And for my, for my decision making, it really got to the point where if I got bored, I looked and that's probably not what most people want to hear from a senior finance person. Is that really is, is that as 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 planful as it got? And it and it really was that. So if I had a, a line manager or a leader that I was super inspired by, it just meant I stayed longer in role because I had a font that I was learning from. And if I yeah. got to the point where I thought, okay, I've delivered what I needed to do in this role, I feel like I'm stagnating. What do I do next? Then I started looking. I think the benefit of working for an organization like Associated British Foods was that they encouraged moves around the divisions. And what made it better for me was I could take my learning from one organization to the next without feeling yeah. that I was stealing content. So, you know, typically you leave a company, you think, right, what can I take with me? And it's sort of frowned upon that you're taking stuff away with you. But when you're moving into divisionally with within one company, it was almost like I had permission to take what I needed to take from one organization straight into the other organization. And I could take all of my contacts and connections too. So whilst I worked for lots of different brands and businesses, I still felt like I was in one organization. My my network relationships were my were building. My experience was significantly greater because I allowed myself to be immersed in the different business challenges each of them faced. So, Kings Mill being a bread business was, you know, mass volume, low margin, high level of production, and therefore the focus was re- very much about how do you manage cost and how do you manage man- manufacturing efficiency. And what can you do to drive value in an environment where it's a commoditized business? And then you look at the opposite in uh, twinings, whilst it's still to a degree manufacturing, it's it's heavily focused on the brand, at the experience. It's a high value proposition. So you're looking at the premium end. And it was a business that wasn't low margin because it was different differentiated and it had a lot of innovation in that space. So whilst tea at the lower end might be seen as a commodity, twinings, I didn't feel was. So it was, it was really yeah. interesting going from two different companies within the portfolio that had very different external pressures that drove ultimately how the business internally was being run. So I feel whilst I've moved a lot, it hasn't hindered me in any way. If anything, I feel like yeah. I'm much richer for the experience. Yeah, I'm really delighted you shared 
that, Glenn, because I think there's a lot of listeners definitely on the show I know been uh, speaking with and sharing IMs with about this is that they get the concern if they keep moving around. You know, it's it sort of frowned upon at a particular stage, but actually, particularly if you can get to a close-knit group where it's sort of, you don't feel like you're stealing knowledge um, from one company to another, but you're moving around, you can get a bit uh, better leverage from that, but also you get to keep your, your sort of your network and your sponsors sort of intact. Yes. So actually, it's quite a good yes. thing to consider. And it's definitely an option, particularly nowadays, there's a lot of uh, conglomerates out there, a lot of global businesses. So whether those opportunities are country to country or business unit to business unit, there's definitely better considerations that perhaps we don't talk about enough in finance and people shouldn't be scared about moving around after a year or two in a row. Um, particularly if they're tuned in with themselves to yeah. realize, hang on a sec, I'm bored here a bit maybe, and I, I feel like I could probably grow and add a bit more value elsewhere. It's about results and adding value at the end of the day, plus yeah. having fun and feeling like you're solving meaningful problems. Yeah, I think that's the absolutely critical. Time has always been the measure that most of us have used to go, if I do two to three years, that's deemed to be appropriate. But realistically, yeah. what is appropriate this is your one shot at living your life. You get to choose where you're headed. And as long as you're adding value, as you've just mentioned, and you've got really clear deliverables and you're surpassing them, then I don't see that there's any issue in moving sooner than a time frame that someone else may or may not have decided is appropriate for you. I completely agree. And, and, and one thing, when you sort of tend to add value, I think we're probably kindred spirits on that one because I... I read a recent article you wrote about being a linchpin. Yes. And like I would have sort of say, you know, be irreplaceable or, or be vital, you know, as opposed to someone that is replaceable. So like, yeah. what, you know, what do you mean if you were to sort of say to our audience being a linchpin? What does that mean in your mind? For me, it's about, um, and I love Seth Godin. So, but for me, that book was really about understanding what does it take to be indispensable and how do you be remarkable on a daily basis? Because I think we we can get ourselves into a rut of going, okay, I've got my objectives for the year. I may or may not have regular check-ins with my leader. I may or may not have a mid-year performance review, but I know I'll have my year-end one where I'll have to talk about what I've delivered in the year. And oh, can I think back to the last month of what I've delivered and can I really remember what I've done for the last year to, to warrant an outstanding grade? And for me, being a linchpin doesn't wait, doesn't wait till that 12-month mark before you start assessing your performance. It's about going, okay, if I was to perhaps start the year as if I was going to give myself an A, for my performance for the entire year, what qualities would I need to be de demonstrating throughout the entire year to be delivering Great an question. A performance? And if you can have that mindset to go, okay, that's what an A performance looks like or an A star or whatever the grading is at the top of the chain now, you're looking at it going, okay, well, what, what will that need me to do and how would that need me to show up in order to deliver? And that's what, for me, being a linchpin is about. It's surprising and delighting people it's going out of your way to make an impact because recognizing that in today's world especially with the digital evolution the map that we once had 
that we were encouraged to follow is being yeah. diminished. And what Lynchpin really is stating is you now need to create your own map. You need to determine mm. where you fit and how you add value and also demonstrate to the organization that you are indispensable. So when it comes to making choices about humans or robots, it's a no-brainer when it comes to you yeah. because you've demonstrated that your ability to connect the dots, your insight, your ability to leverage relationships is far superior than any artificial intelligence is going to be doing. So that for me is what being a linchpin is about. And I would say that's probably one of the things that's helped me in my career is about widening the scope of your uh, impact. So don't limit it just to finance. You know, you're, you're a finance expert, you're qualified, you've got the you know examination results and your the letters behind your name to prove your credibility in the field but allow yeah. yourself to widen your scope and think okay well i've got credibility here but how can i build credibility elsewhere and i do that by being more empathetic and in my case spending time with sales guys the majority of uh, my commercial finance days and recognizing that often you know many thoughts would travel through my mind some of them complimentary, some of them not so complimentary. And I think, why, why, why on earth do they do what they do? And it's only when you allow yourself to go, okay, if I saw what they saw, if I knew what they knew, if I believed what they believed, would I be making the decision they're making? And nine times out of 10, the answer is yes. So if you can allow yourself to really understand and get behind their they're thinking behind a decision or a choice made. It allows you to really start going, okay, well, what can I do to influence their worldview? What new information and knowledge can I present and share such that I can change the insight that they have around the decision they make? How can I show up as a partner as rather than someone who's just a challenger and say, actually, we've got the same goal here but we're coming at it from different perspectives and how might we do that in a way that's more effective. And I just think certainly from my own experience in finance is that it's so easy to be a bit more black and white in our thinking because a lot of the way we've been taught through our program is, you know, there's a formula, we, we can figure things out and we've got insight. And also sometimes yeah. I think we forget how, how much we know and you assume other people have got the same lens and the same knowledge and the insight yeah. that you have. And I think so if you can allow yourself to go, well, you know, these individuals that I'm trying to partner with haven't had the same training or discipline in the background I have. They don't see the world the way I see it because of my own experience. So how can I give them a bit of insight into what I know and what I see and what I believe and therefore why that leads to a different decision? than they're making and jointly work together to go, okay, the, these are where our worldviews differ. Empathy is a huge one in finance. If you can find more empathetic finance folk, I think the impact that we would have across the organization would be immense. Yeah, I, I, I like the way you put it. I think it does help if we put ourselves in their shoes so we can understand that. So look, um, again, really appreciate you sharing that's really practical insights there, Glenn. So so that you gleaned from experience. So thanks thanks for that. I'm curious to know if, if you could share with our audience, what's really exciting you about your work at the moment? Oh, gosh, so much. One, it's really testing uh, my business understanding. So this is the first time I've set up my own business and left a corporate environment. So it's a real opportunity to 
for me to understand one did i did i know everything i can i apply that to a startup <laughs> and also um it's recognizing that thankfully having had the experience in business and in corporates and the structure but also the impact of working with sales marketers uh supply chain you know all of the different facets of the business does help and i'm i'm yeah i kind of feel like this is my ultimate test to go if i can keep a business that's already up running successful that's one thing but if i can start one and make that a success it's a completely different ball game so that's what's exciting me at the moment it's taking my finance acumen my brain and kind of going okay how can i apply the disciplines that i've learned throughout my sort of 17 year career in in finance to my own business and what am i learning about myself in that journey and i think also from the coaching perspective actually connecting with leaders now and helping them level up to their personal performance i find fascinating because i look at it now and go ah oh, i wonder whether i'd have seen the same patterns if i was immersed in that same <laughs> same experience as they were or would i have been able to shine a light on you know limiting beliefs challenges that we all put out in our own way around our own performance and our effectiveness um i've got a real passion for us you know demonstrating that we can make an impact outside of our immediate functional remits and also recognizing that we are all but one human but often we wear different masks depending on whether it's our personal environment or our professional environment and part of what excites me about what I'm doing now is focusing on helping people remove those masks so that they are one whole person the same person that they are at home versus the same person being the same person at work and the only role that they've got to do but from a personality consistency of action consistency of uh personality i think it's really important that you're not feeling you need to compromise who you are in order to be effective at what you do in a professional environment and there's so much there's so much in that space where i think the pressure um incorporates to you know I, and i i come from experience i remember when i first started my finance career i, I thought i had to level up by being this really serious finance person and i was often the youngest in my team when i first started out and as a result i took myself so seriously i felt like i needed lean on my uh, qualifications as a way of navigating my credibility and i was really harsh with my interactions with people and that was not because i felt like i was more important than them but it was a way of i guess navigating own fears of not being seen to be good enough and i think i see a lot of that when people are um overtly challenging and expressive and opinionated and i'm and now what i do is look for where the fear is hidden and what i work on doing is helping people see what fear is driving a behavior and help them remove that such that they can show up consistently as if they weren't worried about what people thought of them where they themselves in an environment that they felt the safest because actually they've created that environment of safety for themselves by recognizing what their triggers are and that's what i'm really loving at the moment is you know from senior leaders to, to individuals outside of corporate helping them see what what roadblocks we put in our own way um to our own performance God, that's just—I just the way you described that. 
I, I can sort of relate a bit to my own story, Glenn, but also some others that so many have shared. I suppose that's um, accounting and finance professionals for you. Like, you know, we've got this great training, and whether we know it or not, the more conversations we can have, these things just happen in our minds that they end up connecting dots for people. Yes. And we can actually end up helping them without even knowing it. Absolutely. So, um, so, so we just don't leverage that strength maybe as, as much as we could, particularly given we've accessed decision makers, we've accessed information, you know, and we're actually, we're generally seen as independent and, and we bring integrity yes. to a lot of the tables we go sit at. So there's so many strengths. We just probably, if we just overcome some of those fears and if, that it, we end and up leveraging. Exactly that. We have so many strengths, but do we allow ourselves to see how strong yeah. we are in our position. And if you do, if you exactly. acknowledge, hey, I've got the credibility, I've got, you know, I've got the understanding, I've got a bigger picture perspective than the majority of the functions I'm supporting won't have. How can I leverage that to give value to someone else that may or may not see the world as I see it because I have access to so much more? That's it. So and I love that. So no, look, um, so it's going to shift it up a few sure. years there, Glenn. So, um, so in terms of what's what's been the best of a bit of advice you've ever received, whether it be career or work or personal advice you've ever received? Truthfully, it's don't take yourself so goddamn seriously. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best piece of advice I've ever been given. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it serves you well when you realize actually you can have a little bit of fun and you don't have to be so serious and you show up with more playfulness in what you do you lift the energy of the environment of the people you're with uh, you're more fun to be around people are drawn to your energy because you're sending out this signal of hey come and talk to me because I'm I'm a approachable i'm friendly i'm interested and i'm not so wedded to my computer that i'm looking yeah. like i don't want to be disturbed so that was definitely the best piece of advice i got um because i did take myself incredibly seriously at the early part of my career and i found my success in my career uh, was exponential once i allowed myself to relax and have some fun because we spend a lot of time at work with the people we work with and there's plenty of times in our lives when things are you know tough that require us to be serious but we don't have to be serious in order to be successful all the time so <laughs> i'd encourage not to take yourself so seriously and and, and be a bit more playful in how you show up <laughs> yeah definitely yeah I, I i again i wish someone had told me that when i started my career and learned a bit easier i probably would have had fun much earlier on so um so now that you've shared it you've just basically saved people a few years of uh having a, a challenging or or how do you say not such a playful career now they can go and have one and actually have more fun and and, and more rewards and more influence along the way so that's that's really cool thanks glenn and I, I suppose in terms of resources or a book uh, is there any out there that you perhaps recommend our um, our audience yeah i'd recommend the art of possibility by benjamin zander okay. and i i like it because it's a completely non-finance book <laughs> um that and and lynchpin with that Seth Godin. But what I like about the art of possibility, um, it really opens up a, a new way. I mentioned earlier about that example of if you were to give yourself an A, and that comes from that book. It's about, uh, so Benjamin, he's a conductor in an orchestra, 
and he gave his students an A at the beginning of the semester that he was teaching. And the only um, ask he made of them was to say, I will give each of you an A if you write me a letter that tells me why you deserve an A and what you will have done this next year in order to deserve that A uh, a year from the start point for me was just fascinating because immediately if I'm to give myself an A, what what will I have done? What will I have achieved? How will I have shown up? And if you write yourself a letter that says, that's what I'll have done. Thank you for my A. I just wonder how many more possibilities will have come up because you've shown up in a really, really different way. So I like it because it, I like reading stuff that opens up my mind to, to how can I be more effective in my workplace without needing to focus on you know the finance aspect or the the functional aspect but more the human aspect how can i show up as a better human and therefore make a better impact yeah that's that's fascinating a fascinating story an actual fact then you know i love the way that puts the emphasis on you on, on how we show up you know rather than what everyone else is doing and at least that's something we can control in our careers right mm. in, in our destiny yeah and he, he turns it around to also say um if you were to give Give someone else an A and just assume the person that you're having a dialogue with and you've given them an A, how would you treat them? If they were your A-star pupil, how would you treat them? And it's really interesting because even by doing that alone, you kind of go, especially as a leader, you're giving your team permission to be great. So if you decide as a, you know, as a CFO or a, a senior finance leader that you've got a team of people that you want to inspire start by giving themselves giving them all an a and see how that changes how you show up in front of them because you've surrounded yourself with a team of great leaders and you've just given them that opportunity to be great and you look for looking for things that support you know a lesser result and i think that framing you know for yourself and for others is is super powerful it's a lot you shared that with us i can't wait to read more about that story now glenn so uh, i guess in terms of our audience if they'd like to get connected with, with you, where's the best place they can find you at? Yeah, so my website is simplyglyn.com. I'd love to hear from anyone that would benefit from a conversation with me if they want to know more about navigating their career, driving performance, and you know, unlock, unlocking themselves from their limiting beliefs and holding themselves back. If they want to know more about what they can do to be more effective in their personal and professional careers, I'd love to hear from anyone that feels they'd benefit from a conversation. Fantastic, Glennon. Thank you for sharing those details. And I'll include those all in the show notes as well. Uh, and Glenn, it just remains for me to say thanks enough for being a great guest, uh, for sharing your, your journey, sharing with us the idea of a linchpin and how we can practically go about and make that happen. I think that's very important for us. And also, like, just being really candid about your career, where you've had challenges um, and where you've helped others through challenges as well and overcome their limiting beliefs and actually go on to drive good performance and results for their business, but also in a playful and fun way, because ultimately that's yeah. what we want from our careers. Glenn, thanks for being such a great guest on the show. Yeah, absolutely. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter. 
which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.